Good afternoon, Ignite Church. How is everyone doing? Doing great? Awesome. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well. Um, we're glad, we're so glad to have you here. Um, you had so many options you could have chosen from, um, but you chose to worship with us. We're very excited, and God is going to do a new thing in your life today in Jesus' name. For those joining us for the first time as well, we're very excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I pray that after today's service, your life will never remain the same in the name of Jesus. God has a word for you today. Tell your neighbor, God has a word for me today. God has a word for me today. So, last week, uh, we started um, exploring the topic, uh, understanding the new birth. Does anyone remember? Yes. So, yeah, uh, we said it was very important for us to understand the new birth, right? You no, know, it's, it's the basic principle or basic fact on which our Christian faith is built, right? So, we, you and I are able to call ourselves Christians because we've experienced the new birth. And if you have not experienced the new birth, um, you'll get an opportunity to do so um, in today's service. But it is very, very important um, many people use the word, you know, if you've been um, in church for a minute, right, you, you must have heard the word um, born again, right? Um, so new birth, being born again, it means the same thing. Um, and many people use the word without understanding what it means, right? You go out there, people will tell you, I'm born again, I'm a born again Christian, you know, I'm, a, I'm a born again child of God. And you ask, what does that mean? They are not able to explain, right? And what you don't understand you are not able to take full advantage of, right? And that's what is happening in the body of Christ. There are many people that, you know, they are saved. They've said, you know, they've invited Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they don't understand the right and the privileges that comes with that. And as a result of that, the devil is able to take advantage of them, to keep them in bondage, to keep them oppressed. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. And we said, um, we looked at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verse 11 which tells us how to keep Satan from taking advantage of you and I, right? And the way to do that is for us not to be ignorant. As Christians, we cannot afford to be ignorant. We have to equip ourselves with knowledge. It says to keep Satan from taking advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his schemes. So ignorance is not this. In the, in, in, in the kingdom of God, you have to equip yourself with knowledge. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, that's our anchor text. It says, there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So again, Nicodemus is saying, we see all these works, these great things that you're doing in your ministry. Amazing things are happening, but we understand and we recognize that there is something beyond the physical eyes um, can see that is happening. We cannot explain it. The results we are seeing, um, only God can do it. Something is different. And Jesus' answer to that is, most assuredly I say to you, so again, there's no way around it is what Jesus is basically trying to say. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot experience the kingdom of God. He cannot experience everything that God has to offer unless a man is born again. And last week we you know, established that there are three ways you know, which a person can become a member of a family. 
it's either through birth, through adoption, or through marriage. Galatians 4 verse 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us. We were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his own children. So that's as adoption. And um, Ephesians 5 verse 30 to 32 says, and we are members of his body. We are members of God's body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you and God, you are one. And the scripture here is saying it is a great mystery. You know, it's using marriage, the concept here on earth, to just you know, let us know that marriage here on earth is just an illustration of the relationship between you and God. And the new birth is the way that we become one with God, right? So it's the, it's the way we get, you know, born, adopted, and married into God's family. Um, John 1, verse 12 to 13, you know, confirms that. says, to them that have received him, but as many, as many, right? It's not reserved to, you know, some special set of people. As many that have received me, that have received him, to them he gave the right, the authority to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the wing of the flesh, nor of the wing of man, but of God. And we looked at some unscriptural meanings of, you know, the new birth. We said one is not about going to church, right? It's about your personal relationship with God. Um, you know, going to church, being born in church, being in, you know, multiple departments, all of that is just activities, right? God is not interested in that if you have not experienced the new birth. And we, you know, the second one we looked at was keeping the law. And we said, you know, keeping the law in itself cannot help us. So following a set of rules cannot help us. We must be born again. We must be born again. And James chapter 2 verse 10, NLT says, For a person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's law. So by our own selves, we cannot keep all of God's law. And if we miss one, as far as God is concerned, we are no better than somebody that did not even make an attempt, right? So uh, it's pointless to try, um, you know, to keep all the law, to try to gain right standing with God by keeping the law. And the third one was, you know, being self-righteous, right? So the Bible tells us our righteousness in the sight of God is like a filthy rag. So, um, and then we went through understanding the form of man, you know, through Adam. So, you know, Adam um, was the representative of the human race here on earth, right? It was in the garden, um, Adam and Eve. Um, we, the story is in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 15 to 20, and you can read from verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1 to 8 as well. But the summary is that, you know, Adam sinned. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, and as a result of that, Death came into the human experience, right? There were consequences to that. Uh, Romans 5.12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all people, no one being able to stop it or escape its power, because they all sinned. And this came about because Satan was able to deceive Adam and Eve to believe certain things about God, which was not true but he was able to get them to believe, to believe him through deception, 
And some of the things, you know, you know uh, um, Satan said to them was, you know, God was a liar, right? That, you know, um, if they eat out of the, the fruit, um, they will not die. They will become like God. You know, Satan said God was deceitful and does not love them. That God was unfair and not willing to give them that which was their ultimate good. But everything was a lie. Because there's no truth in the devil. He's the father of lies. John chapter 8 verse 44. It says, you are of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Another translation says he speaks from his own very character. He's, he's a liar and he's the father of it, right? So everything Satan says to them was a lie. And you know, we said as Christians, the only antidote, the only weapon we have against the deception of the devil is what? Is the word of God, right? Uh, the word of God is very, very, uh, is, is, the word of God is powerful. It's the only thing you and I have. We cannot afford as Christians to not acquaint ourselves with God by reading his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and intent of the earth. So the word of God is powerful, right? So, you know, when Satan comes with his lies and his deception, but that, hey, you know, God told you that like, this is going to be your year of possibilities. You know, this is August, August is almost done. Are you, are you sure? Right? You have to get into the word and speak the word, right? You know, Satan, you are a liar. I have a wonderful future with a happy ending, right? You have to let the word of God draw richly in your heart. No matter how, you know, even if you're a Christian for one day or you're a Christian for, you know, 10 years, you can't get to the point where, you know, you're like, yeah, now I'm self-sufficient. I don't need the word of God. That will never happen. Even Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, bothering him, when he was confronted, uh, when Satan tempted him, he had to respond with the word of God. Right? Luke chapter 4. You know, Satan said... If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaf of bread. What was his answer? He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Right? And Satan did not give up. You know, he kept coming back, you know, took him to the mountain, you know, showed him all the kingdoms and told him, like, you know, all you have to do is just bow down to me and they will all be yours. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus Christ was able to rebuke Satan because... It was standing on the sure foundation and the authority of the word of God. You and I need to be the same. You need the word of God in you because that is how you build faith in your spirit, man. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You will never get to a stage in your life where, you know, you don't learn to read your Bible. That's just the fact, Right? Even if you're enjoying, you know, you're living a victorious Christian life today, you will never go to a point where you're like, yeah, I've known enough of the Bible um, because the depth of the wisdom of God is unsearchable. Every time you pick up, your, you can pick up the same, you know, verse of scripture that you read maybe, you know, three months ago, right? And you got, you know, uh, one revelation from it. You pick it up again in another three months, you're getting something else from it. Because it's not just text, right? 
the word of God is living, it's powerful. That's what the scripture is saying. So you can't get to a point where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I, I know the word of God so much, I can join two scriptures together, you know, and use it for a short message now. You know, people are hanging you that, hey, pastor, bishop, all right? And, you know, your, your shoulders can, you know, they can't sit well again. You're like, hey, you know, and you're not reading your Bible, you're not getting in the word anymore. That is a lie of the enemy. And such a person is playing with fire, right? Because if you check um, verse 13 of Luke 4, it says, you know, after Jesus countered every lie and deception of the devil, what did the devil do? It says, now, the, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That's what the devil does, right? He's roaming about, right? Like lion, looking for womb to devour. So if you are not building up strength in your inner man, it's not on the day of war that you start you know, you know, uh, 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 preparing for war. You have to build yourself up in your most only faith by reading the word of God every day. So my encouragement to you today, I know we did it last week, right? You, know, um, you just um, you know, marked the time when you read your Bible. Um, how many of us did that? Yeah, and if you if if you set out to do it, you know it didn't happen. You can go again, right? The the key, the goal here is to get into the habit of reading, spending time in the Word of God, because it is important for you and I. So my encouragement to you today is, you know, continue in the Word of God, right? Um, and and the reason why I said one week is don't, don't think about. You know, sometimes we sit down and say, oh yeah, I'm going to read my Bible for the next one year. I'm not going to miss one day. You know, take it. You know, just one week at a time. Right? One, seven days, that's it. You now you sit down today, throughout this week, this is when I'm going to read my Bible, right? And just focus on that. And then you, the next, you know, however you want to break it down, but just, you know, break it down in, in chunks. Set goals that you can meet and not just, oh yeah, you know, my goal is just, you know, to, to, to read my Bible, um, you know, every day and there's no plan towards it. God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. So this week, we're going to look at the consequences of the fall, right? So, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They listened and they were convinced by the lie and the deception of the devil. And they disobeyed God. The late Dr. Miles Monroe will always say that consequences are more important than decisions. Right? Decisions give birth to consequences. And you know, some people will say, oh, you know, you have to live with the decision you've made. No, you don't have to live with the decision. You have to live with the consequence. You can choose, you can decide, but you can't choose the outcome of the decision, right? And that's exactly what happened here. Adam and Eve, they sinned. They had the choice. And they chose to believe the devil. And as a result, they sinned against God. And that led to grave consequences for the entire human race. So what are some of those consequences? The first one is loss of communication and fellowship with God. Man lost communion and fellowship with God. Isaiah 59 verse 2, New Living Translation, it says, It's your sin that I've cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Because of your sin, he has turned away and he will not listen anymore. So man was no longer able to fellowship with God because of sin. So before Adam and Eve, you know, before they sinned, before they fell, um, they had this constant fellowship and communion with God. You know, the Bible recorded in Genesis 3, 8 that you know, God will come in the cool of the evening to fellowship with them, right? To talk to them. However, when they sinned, 
they became afraid, they became ashamed, and they were hiding from God. Right? So, you know, after man sinned, the, 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 the nature of God departed from man. And God cannot behold sin. So that direct access to God was cut off because of sin. And Isaiah 59 verse 2 here is emphasizing that, that God will not listen anymore because of sin. Sin hinders effective communication with God. Number two, spiritual and physical death. Death was not in God's original plan for man. God never created man to experience death. Death became part of the human experience as a result of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. Death means separation. That's all that death means, right? And it was never the plan of God. There are three types of death um, recorded in the Bible. Um, there is uh, spiritual death, there is physical death, and there is second death or eternal death. Physical death is when the spirit leaves the body, right? When the spirit of a man leaves the body, then, you know, the person has experienced death. The separation of the spirit from the body leads to death. And you can see um, scripture for that is James chapter 2 verse 26. It says the body without the spirit is dead, right? The second type of death um, yeah, is spiritual death, which just means you know, man being separated from God. And the third one, which was the second death or eternal death, is you know, the final um, and permanent separation between God and man. And that happens as a result of the decision. So when a man decides on this part of eternity that they are not going to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, if they don't experience the new birth, right? Um, then they will have to end up experiencing the second death, which is the eternal death. That will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can see that in um, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Revelation 20, 20, verse 6. It says, Blessed and only is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. A thousand years, right? Number three, consequences of the fall of man. We received the nature. Um, Romans 6, 20, 23 just tells us again, you know, about death, right? So death became the human experience. The wages of sin is death. Um, so the next one here is we received the nature of sin and desire to sin. So as I said, when Adam sinned against God and obeyed the devil, the nature of God left him and the sin nature came into his spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 2 to 3 tells us that you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work. He, the devil, is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. So when you're not saved, when someone is not a Christian, the things that they long for, it's not really their fault. Character transformation is not really going to do much to help them because there's the nature in them that is gravitating towards those things, right? It's the sin nature. So the passionate desires and the inclination they are feeling is as a result of the nature. Something needs to be done about that nature before anything can be done about the actions they are taking. 
Number four, slavery to Satan. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his of the son of his love, right? So if you're, um, you know, as a result of the, 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 the form of man, Satan had fearing to oppress, right? To oppress, to harass man because of sin. Number five, loss of God giving authority to the devil. Luke chapter 4, from verse 5 to 6, it says, And the devil lifted Jesus high into the sky, and in a flash showed him all the kingdoms and visions of the world. The devil said to Jesus, All of this with its power. Right? So, the, what the devil is saying is the old world and the power and authority in the world and the splendor is mine. The devil is saying, It is mine to give to whomever I wish. Jesus Christ responded, but he did not dispute this fact. Because it is true. Right? When man sinned and chose to obey the devil, the devil took over Adam's authority. So man lost that authority that was initially given to him by God. Number six, loss of dominion over all the works of God's hands. Loss of dominion. God created man to have dominion. Right? Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God's initial plan for man, for you and I, was to have dominion. And in order to have dominion, two things must happen. Right, according to Genesis chapter 1, man must be in the image of God and man must also be in the likeness of God. And that is how God created man originally. Right? Man was created in the image of God and in the likeness of God so that as the same way God is ruling in the heaven, he created man here to rule and dominate and take charge and reign here on earth. That was God's original plan. However, when Adam and Eve sinned, the nature of God left man. So man could not longer have dominion, right? Without the nature of God, man cannot have dominion. Man could no longer reign in life, right? Man could no longer reign over circumstances of life. Man was now subject to circumstances. Satan has never had the right and power to rule over the earth, right? He took it when he deceived man in the garden. God gave that power to mankind, and when man fell, man yielded that authority that God gave to him, to the devil. And number seven, loss of freedom from diseases, sorrow, hardship, and suffering. So all of this comes with sin. Right? The final um, you know, wage of sin is death. But before death comes diseases, sorrows, hardship, you know, suffering. Right? And we can see that in Genesis chapter 3, from verse 16 um, to 19. It says, Then God said to the woman, You shall bear children in intense pain and suffering. Yet, even so, you shall welcome your husband's affection, and he shall be your master. And to Adam, God said, Because you have listened to your wife. The Bible is not saying that you should not listen to your wife. Right? This is a very specific instance. Okay? Um, some people think that, like, yeah, you know, you know, the Bible says, you know, men are not supposed to listen to women. No, this is very specific. It says, 
you have listened to your wife and ate the fruit, right? So very specific again. I told you not to. I have placed a curse upon the soil, and all your life you will struggle to extract a living from it. So it was not designed to be so originally. Man was not supposed to get a living, earn a living, you know, through hardship. Sin brought this about. It says, it will grow thorns and tissues for you, and you shall eat its grasses. All your life you will sweat to master it until your dying day then you will return to the ground from which you came. For you were made from the ground, and to the ground you will return. So, all of this came as a result of sin. Listen, this was before Christ. You know, this was before, uh, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus. This was before redemption. So nobody should be quoting this as, yes, you know, the things we're going through right now, the actually I'm going through, you know, you know uh, it's written in the Bible, like I'm going to go through all of this. No. Right? You know, as a child of God, you are exempted from this, and we'll get into that in a minute. But all of that came, you know, through the form of man in the Garden of Eden. So, you know, everything I've just gone through, you know, looked, sounded very grim, right? You know, like just, yeah, just bad news upon bad news and bad news and bad news. And that, that was the way it felt. The devil must have been very excited about this, right? Because now, he has gotten the authority, the power, the dominion that God originally designed for man. And it seems that there is nothing God can do about it. Because Satan knew certain things, certain character, certain attributes about God that he felt there is no way. I've boxed God into a corner. For this one, there is no way. I, I have this. I can oppress and unleash terror on the human race without God being able to do anything. So, what are some of those attributes? The first one is righteousness. God is righteous. The second one is God is just, right? The third one is God's word is the truth. It's not just true, it's the truth. And the fourth one, God is love. God loves us so much. God loves me so much. He loves you so much. God loves the entire human race so much that he has refused to give up on us. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, he refused to give up on them. So let's look at it. Righteousness. Psalm 119 verse 137, it says, Lord, your judgment reveal your righteousness and your verdicts are always fair. God is righteous. His verdicts are always fair. Number two, God is just. You know, he says, tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from, the, from that time? I've not hired the Lord, and there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. God is just. God's word is the truth. Second Samuel 7, 28. It says, and now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servants. So God cannot go back on his word. God's word is truth. And finally, God is love. It's, love is not just you know, an attribute of God. God is love. That is who God is. It says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, without any guarantee, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. Without any guarantee that you and I will reciprocate and receive that sacrifice. But God 
did it anyways because he loves us. He loves you, he loves me. And he did that for everyone that is born, that is yet to be born, like Christ has died for everybody. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? So that is his sacrifice to the world. He gave his son. So, you know, how does this connect, right? So, what had happened is the authority and the dominion that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. It was Adam's to give, right? Remember, God created Adam and gave him the dominion. You know, he gave him the dominion over the realm of the earth. Realm of the earth, sorry, the realm of the earth, right? Um, if you can give me Psalm 115 or 16. Psalm 115 or 16. It says, the heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity, right? So the authority was given to man. And the devil came, deceived man, and took over that authority. So now the Satan, the enemy, now has the right to oppress, to dominate, and to cause problems here on earth, right? Because Adam and Eve yielded that authority to him. So God's nature as a just God will not allow him. So he can't just say, yeah, you know, I'm just going to cancel everything. You know, um, I go back on my word. Um, you know, man no longer has the authority. Satan, oh yeah, give me back the authority. No, he can't do that. Because, you know, Satan deceived man, yes. But that transaction, what happened was legal, right? Man yielded his position to the devil. And God is righteous. It cannot behold sin. So which means the righteousness of God cannot allow God to continue to relate with man as if nothing happened. Because God and sin, they cannot, in the light and darkness, they cannot come together. It's not possible. But then, God still loved man. God loves man so much that he cannot give up on man. God still wants nothing but to have a close fellowship and relationship with man. So throughout the Old Testament, you can see, you know, types and shadows, you know, of Christ, you know, where, you know, God puts things in place just to be able to have some semblance of fellowship with man, right, through the sacrifice of animals, right? And what, you know, the sacrifices of animals, what that was doing was just covering up the sin. Nothing could change that nature. Nothing could restore that nature of God back into man. So the devil thought, yeah, that's it. Right? But thank God for God. Right? Jeremiah 32 says, Our sovereign God, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arms, nothing is too hard for you to do. The situation I just described is almost impossible. Satan thought he had won. But the mercy of God said no. The mercy of God said no. So, what is God's mercy? So to meet God's only character, as we said, God's character of justice, he has to judge sin. The wages of sin is death. And you already told them, you know, the consequences of the action, if they took it, was going to be death. So they did that, God cannot go back on his word. Right? But then God still loves the sinful man. So what did God do? God had to come physically here on earth 
to restore and take back that authority from the devil. For us to be restored, there has to be a man that is perfect, blameless, in whom there will be no sin whatsoever, right? To come fulfill all the requirements of the law, right? And then die, and his righteousness will be credited to the all of the entire human race. But the only problem is no man could do that. No man could fulfill all the requirements of the law, as we just read. So, God sent Jesus, right? Jesus Christ is God the Son, so God had to come back. And this is very tremendous if you understand it, if you take time to understand it, because now the devil was in big trouble. There is nothing the devil can do about this, because, you know, another thing the devil was banking on is, after, um, you know, the, 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 the fall of man, everybody that was born into this earth had that same nature. Right? It was transferred spiritually. From, you know, as far as you were given birth to by a man and woman coming together, right? that sin nature was transferred into everyone. So God had to bypass that natural process of childbirth. Jesus Christ came. Yes, he was born of a woman, but the conception was miraculous. And it's called the immaculate birth. Luke chapter 1 verse 35, it says, the angel answered Mary. When Mary was asking the angel, like, you're asking me, you're telling me I'll give birth to a child, but I have known no man. I've not had any sexual relationship with anybody. How could this be? And the angel said, the only spirit will come on you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the, one, the only one to be born will be called the son of God. Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he bypassed that process of natural birth so that the sin nature did not find its place into Jesus. And then when he was here, we just went through the temptation, right? Like, Satan came, you know, he, he took his chance again, like, yeah, let me tempt this guy. Because now, yes, he's God, but now, you know, he has flesh. He has flesh and blood, just like you and I. Everything, all the temptation, everything we are subject to, all the feelings and the emotions we had, or we have right now, Jesus had the same. Right? And the Bible proved that. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. So, Satan lost every battle. Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. He died for you and I. Jesus Christ did not die as a matter. He didn't die as a sacrificial leader. He didn't, he didn't die because of what he believed in. He died as a sacrifice, as a sin substitute for you and for me. He went to hell, defeated Satan, rose up again. Right? And he said in Matthew 28, 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that is the, was the plan of God, the plan of redemption. God had to come and get this done himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made Christ who knew no sin. See, there is no emotions about this, right? So, you know, when you're talking about new birth, and, you know, if there is no, there is no, there is no room for guessing, 
right? The Bible is saying that judicially, he has to do this nigga. It wasn't something that, you know, Satan got this authority, you know, it was man's to give away. And, you know, man lost it to, to Satan. So Jesus Christ came and he had to undo it judicially. He had to be nigga. He says, it became sin on our behalf, right? It became sin on our behalf so that in, in him, we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ knew no sin, but he took on my sin and your sin so that in him, we can now assume Christ's righteousness. That is, we will be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. So now, we can now have a relationship with Christ. Now we can come boldly before him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Is anybody grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus? Yes. No, this is, it is amazing. And, you know, we have to take time to understand what we have as Christians, as believers. Right? It's not just, you know, it's, 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 um, Adam and Eve lost everything. Right? They lost access to the garden. They lost access to God and all that. But it was as a result of the same nature. Something intangible happened first. Right? They lost something in the realm of the spirit before they lost something in the realm of the natural. Right? So, to gain it back and be restored back to original um, a, a plan of God for you and I, we have to, something needs to change in the realm of the spirit for us to enjoy and to see God's kingdom, to experience the fullness of God. Romans 5, 17 up to 19 says, the sin of this one man, talking about Adam, caused death to be king over all, but all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, right? They are kings of life. So they will be restored back to having dominion. That is what it means to have dominion, right? To reign in life. Yes, Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes men right with God. So we are right with God. Um, God. When God looks at us, we can stand before him without any guilt, no shame, no any sense of unworthiness, right? Because what... Jesus Christ did satisfied the wrath of God. So God judged sin on Jesus Christ on the cross. So the penalty for your sin and my sin is fully paid. So God is not just, you know, when we come before God and we ask, we have to be, you know, we have to be bold because God is not just pitying you and I, right? It, it was very, a legal transaction took place. Jesus, the just part of Jesus that needed to judge sin, Right, that has been fully satisfied. So you and I can come before Christ anytime, any day we can come before God without any feeling of guilt. If you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling unworthy, it is from the devil. And you can take authority over the, the powers of the devil and render it powerless and tell Satan, get it behind me. And he will flee. Right? Um, Adam caused many to be sinners because he disobeyed God. And Christ caused many to be made acceptable to God because he obeyed. Tell your neighbor, God is no longer angry with me. God is not mad at me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
you have to remind yourself of this fact, right? You have to. Um, I do it like often, right? Because it's, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes like, you know, the devil will just, you know, come and tell you, oh yeah, you've not done this, you've not done that, you know, like you really think, um, you know, you're, you're, you're worthy to be, you know, asking God for something, right? You know, um, don't you think you need to fast like, you know, 100 days before you can ask for this thing? No, no. Fasting is good. Fasting has its own place. But God is not going to answer me because of the fast. He's going to answer me because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So what is the new birth? Quickly. It is a spiritual experience that transforms you from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. It is a spiritual experience. So when you, know, you say the prayer and you accept Jesus into your life, in the natural, nothing might seem to have changed, right? Because it is spiritual. The sin nature in you is put to death, right? And God's nature comes into you and your spirit becomes one with the spirit of God. Then you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. So whatsoever was limiting you before, whatsoever is limiting other people, where other people are failing, now you begin to succeed. Whatsoever cannot stop Christ, cannot hinder Christ, cannot hold Christ back, will not be able to hold you back. That is what the new birth does for you. Colossians 1, 12 to 13, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. I'm running out of time, but another thing here is, now, the authority that Christ gave back to us, right? We are joint heirs with Christ. So it will never again happen that, oh, because of what you've done, then, you know, the Satan will then again grab all the authority over man. No, right? Because the authority, we have, we have that authority as joint heirs with Christ. So he rescued us and he has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So the devil does not have any power over you. Say to yourself, the devil does not have any power over me. The only thing in the arsenal of the devil is deception. Right? He can only take what you yield to him. New birth is receiving of God's life and God's righteousness. It is both a spiritual and a moral change. Christ lives in you by the Holy Spirit. So when you give your life to Christ, Christ comes to live in you. God comes to live on the inside of you. God, the Holy Spirit, because we are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit right now. So you are carrying God on the inside of you. John chapter 1, verse 12 to 3, you know, we're all familiar with this. It says, but for all, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right, another translation, you know, causes authority to become children of God. They are born not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, TPT. So, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Nothing you did could ever end this salvation, right? So, nothing you did end your salvation. And then nothing you can do to keep your salvation. Because sometimes, you know, we give our lives to Christ and, you know, the devil comes around again and deceives us into thinking, oh, yeah, you know, you gave your life to Christ, you know, you're a child of God, but to remain a child of God, you have to do this, 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 and that. No. 
For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Verse 10, as a result of this new birth, as a result of this salvation, now we have become his poetry. We have become an expression of the glory of God. We have become an expression of the beauty of God. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. The only way you can fulfill God's destiny for you is if you are part of the recreated people. If you have experienced the new birth. If you're a new creation. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we will do to fulfill it. Friends, your destiny is global. Your destiny is great. God has predestined you for great things and there is nothing the devil can do about it. Yes, there is nothing the devil can do about it. As a child of God, if you have experienced the new birth, you are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And God has every detail concerning your life planned out. So be rest assured, that wonderful future, that happy ending, it will be a reality for you in the mighty name of Jesus. So in conclusion, to close, Jesus Christ said, you must be born again. The question is, are you born again? Right? You cannot assume it. You cannot assume it. Um, Pastor Corinne, I think many weeks ago, uh, said something that I found, you know, when I remember, I said, funny, funny. You can't be in a relationship with somebody and you're not sure. I'm like, oh, I think that's my girlfriend. Or I think that's, that's my boyfriend. That's, that's very creepy, at the very least. Yeah? So the same thing, you cannot assume salvation. You have to be sure. You have to be sure. That is the only way to reign in life, right? This hardship, you know, this, you know, trying and failing and trying and failing and putting everything into it, but no result to show for it. That is not the plan of God for you. In the beginning, it was not so. And God is calling you today. Today for you is the day of salvation. God is inviting you. He's calling you. He wants to restore you back to the position of dominion. And all you have to do is to put your faith in him. You don't have to, you know, there are no set of rules you have to follow. All you have to do today is to put your faith in that finished work of Christ and watch God begin to turn your life around. If you're right here in this service and you want to make that decision, let's all rise to our feet. Or if you're watching online as well and you're saying, you know, James, I, I don't want to continue living like this. I know there is more. I know um, uh, there's this you know, sense of there is more I can be doing with my life, but I don't know what to do. Jesus is calling you today. He's knocking. He wants to help. He wants to turn your life around. He wants to guide you along the best pathway for your life because he created it. He created the plan before you were born, but you cannot find, you cannot walk in that path without him. All you have to do today is to surrender your life. Invite him to be your Lord and Savior. Life is so much easier when you're doing it with God. The only thing you have to do today, if you're online, if you're here in person, or if you said that prayer before and you went back to your old ways, you know, and you're not sure anymore, God is calling you back home. He is not mad at you. 
he loves you so much, he stopped at nothing to have a relationship with you. So just place your hand on your chest. It doesn't matter whatever hand. Um, if you're watching online, do the same. If you're not driving or operating any heavy machinery, just you know, put your hand on your chest and repeat after me. Ignite Church, let's just join them. This is a special and a great moment for them in their lives. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And on the third day, he rose again. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to God's family. Um, I just have one more request of you, and it's just for us to send you some materials or give you some materials right here, um, right now, that will help you in that journey. So if you said that prayer, um, there are some, um, you know, angels walking around, right, you know, from our, um, uh, from our ushering team, just, they just want to give you, like, uh, and you a card, complete it with your information. It's for us to just, you know, give you some books that would help you. If you're online, you know, click on the um, uh, a link or scan the QR code, um, complete uh, the form, and we will send those books to you as well, free of charge, um, and you will not hear from us, you know, after that. If you want to send you anything, we'll ask permission, right? You know, we're not using your information for any telemarketing purposes. God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, O oh God, for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. Thank you, O oh God, Heavenly Father, for sending your son Jesus to restore the power and the authority and the dominion that you created us with originally. We give you the glory forevermore in Jesus' name. Father God, we pray as we go into this week, Lord, we pray, oh God, that you will help us to walk in the knowledge of our identity as children of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we take authority over every plant of the kingdom of darkness to prevent us, to frustrate us from living in the reality of what you have made available, what Christ has made available. We take authority over the power of the kingdom of darkness and we render them powerless in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, oh God, that even as we head into this new week, Lord, we ask that we will have testimonies, testimonies of your goodness, testimonies of your kindness to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as we go forth from here, we'll come back rejoicing with songs of praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you the praise forevermore for in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. You may be seated.